you're listening to a Spark of Genius production. Check us out on YouTube, Twitter, and enjoy the show. Hello, everyone. Welcome to a Spark of Genius flesh and blood production. And we have we have a bit of a special one here. This is the first interview with a non-Canadian flesh and blood member period. That's right. <laughs> and we got we, we decided because it's such a special event that we get a, a, a nice special player to go with the special event here. So I know everyone is super into the all kind of you know Everfest this, Everfest that, let's spoil everything. We're gonna take it back a notch. I haven't seen many interviews. Not a lot of people know about the New Zealand and Australian Nats here. And so myself with my co-creator, co-commentator, co-compatriot Rob and I'm joined here, Kieran. Kieran Carnegie. I don't Carnegie. I don't. I don't, I don't know if I'm, I'm butchering that. Yep. Carnegie. Fantastic. Okay. Mister Mister Carnegie here. Kieran managed to top eight on chain. The only chain to top eight. I I want to say one of the only chains to top twenty four. Now that I'm recalling, there were there wasn't a ton of chain in, in day two, was there? Only one other. Only one other. <laughs> so I mean, bringing it bringing it back for my uh, for my chain brethren here. So. We're going to talk a little bit about the New Zealand spectacle here. It was in the, I think the Sky Stadium. I don't know if I, I don't yep. know if, yeah, it's Sky, quite, quite a big, quite a big statement piece here. So we're going to talk a little bit to Kieran about the Battle Hardened event, uh, the, the night before the Nationals event, uh, a little bit of a deck tech, you know, just get the, the whole king caboodle here. So starting off here with the Battle Hardened event. So this was, uh, for anyone who doesn't know, the Battle Hardened event was the event before Nats. So going right into Nats, I believe it was on the Friday. Yep. And I've heard a good chunk of players wanted to like rest or test a couple things out for nationals uh, day before. Didn't want to go too crazy here, but you decided, yep. you know, might as well go in there with Kano and just decide to win it. And so yep. I've got a couple questions about that. So is there any particular <laughs> reason you wanted to plan that event in the first place? Mostly to win it. I, That's fair. I'm extremely comfortable on Kano. I knew that. My absolute nemesis, the local Wellington player, Nick Holding, who ended up winning nationals, wasn't going to be there. Mm -hmm. And so I was extremely sure that I'd be able to turn up, win, and just rack up some Kano prowess. No, that's, that's awesome. fair. <laughs> I totally understand. Um, were you already kind of confident in your chain deck kind of going in for nationals? Because a lot of people, like, you know, they go in there, they switch out a sideboard car, switch, put one in here, put one in here, test the matchup, just completely blow up a couple pieces here. So... Were you already kind of confident enough in that that you're just like, let's forget about it and just do Battlehorn? On Friday, I knew I'd be playing Chain. I didn't know what the list would be yet. I finished it at 1.30 in the morning. Nice. <laughs> oh, yeah, you're uh, you're, you're cutting it close to 1.30 on the Saturday. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's, uh, wow. You're, yeah, okay, Never too okay, late. Fair enough. Um, <laughs> so, incredible that the kind of, I know LSS has done a couple changes with like the whole Battlehorn system. And with the calling and all, all kinds of things surrounding there. So how was the general atmosphere? I think there, I think you mentioned there were around 60-ish, 60 60-odd people at the, at the Battle Hardened event. So how was like the general atmosphere? Was everyone just fun-loving? Was anyone like all just stressed and trying to get it off their chest here? So what was the kind of general atmosphere there? The atmosphere was really good. Like, there's not a huge amount of pressure on Blitz. We all understand that sometimes, often, Blitz is just a dice roll to see who wins. There's a lot of RNG in it. And so we're basically, everyone's just chilling, having a good time, because the the venue was a lot better than we were expecting it to be, if I'm being perfectly honest. Fair. So we had an amazing view there, like big windows going the entire way along the uh, convention area, looking out onto the stadium. 
and we could just sort of wander out for a breather into the stadium area, which is super cool. So everyone's just, you know, having a good time. That's that awesome. I think that's Maybe like... the people who were losing weren't having as good a time. But, <laughs> but it's Blitz, so... Gotta... It's all relative. It's all relative here. <laughs> exactly. Oh, that's great. Yeah, and I'm sure that's probably the, the best-case scenario for a pre-Nats kind of environment, right, where people are taking it easy. You've done as much testing as you could, right, at the, up until that point, yeah. and it's like, let's just have a good time. And, of course, the event was hosted by Sushi Night, and Steve, the owner of mm. Sushi Night, was there. And, you know, nothing that Steve is around is going to feel bad. The entire oh, crew great. there are just amazing people. They're a lot of fun, and they put a lot of effort into making sure the atmosphere is just cool. That's so, awesome. I, I definitely saw that they really did, like, during the national stream, he actually, like, he was there. They actually cared about it. They took people's comments into account, fixed the lighting. Like, he didn't... I know there were a couple of things during the stream. This was probably the only stream I've ever seen flesh and blood related that was continuously approved upon based on the actual viewers. So it actually, <laughs> I understand completely. It actually shows that, you know, it's nice. It's nice that they care about a, an event like this. So um, other than that, is there any particular matchup? I know, mean, obviously 5-0, right? But what in that in that stretch there, was there any particular matchup that gave you like a bit of a scare, <laughs> pause, anything that you were a little bit worried about? Agro Ira is always hard. Mm -hmm. If they just happen to have snatch razor reflex on turn two, you're just you're just fucked. But <laughs> there was only one Ira in the event. His mate of mine, Sean Stanley, I faced him in round four, and it ended up going pretty well. He was playing a bit suspicious in in one of the early turns, and I told him, "Look, mate." just hit me with the razor so he hit me with the razor <laughs> and he lost because he hit me with the razor then instead of holding it for a more important turn i mean you successfully baited him out right there <laughs> yeah. other right. Uh, other than you know you got razor and pummel either you have them or you don't you just yeah, exactly <laughs> oh, that's fair I, uh sorry go ahead i was really confident in most of the other matchups that would a week ago have been considered problematic i chain no longer as dusk blade for blitz so it's mm -hmm. like Chain's not really going to be a problem anymore. They'll just lose to the ultims. I just have to avoid them round one, round two. Briar with the changes to the errata. No one was going to be on Briar. But Briar is, fair. it's hard as Kano when you sit down against someone who's like, look, I'm just going to do your entire life total turn one. Yeah. Yep. That's true. It's not even that hard for Briar. <laughs> you only yeah, start on the it's really speed. not. Yeah. No, that's fair. Um, so the next thing, I mean, I saw a couple pictures of it, but the main event, I kind of the the main New Zealand national main event, Sky Stadium. I've seen some pictures. The pictures probably don't do it any justice, honestly. I imagine it was a lot cooler playing there in person, just in a stadium. Oh, it, how how was it? It was very cool. So we're up in the very top layers of the stadium, in what normally are the sort of dignitary boxes for watching mm. the rugby. Right. Oh wow. So wow. we could wander out into the dignitary seats, the top-level seats in the stadium, and just sort of relax. But otherwise, you're in this lovely big room, big windows all the way through. Pretty solid food, too. So yeah, yeah. It, was, it was pretty good. Especially considering it was like the backup backup venue. Oh, was oh, really? it? <laughs> yeah. oh, I hadn't heard of that. Oh, my goodness. Well, because when dates got changed, and then there was construction in places, oh, there's a whole drama, apparently. But yeah, oh, it was a really wow. good venue. Wow. Oh, well... I mean, Do you know what the first choice venue was? I don't know if you remember, but would it have beat this one? It sounds very hard to beat this. I think it was down on the waterfront. Mm. Okay. So it okay. Been... Okay. Yeah. Has its I own perks. A lot of very nice venues. Yeah. Wow. 
I mean, kind of makes me jealous because we got something a little less, no, <laughs> a little we, less spectacular in Canada. We got we got one that wasn't even worth being streamed, apparently. So you know what? For us, it's uh, mm-hmm. it's like it's a uh, you know yeah, convention right. center in the middle we'll, of We'll make a better effort next year. We're, yeah, we're, we're gonna make it a much better effort next year. So okay. oh yeah. Um, hard to do worse that's for sure <laughs> it really is um, so enough about smashing the the, the nats comparison which there is really none here so the nats made event itself walk me a little bit through about like how you how you yourself prep for nats so what what was the mindset going in when you chose your classic constructed and eventually ending on on chain right at 1 30 in the morning well sorry you you decided on the chain already and then you decided on the deck list after so based on the first part how did you kind of decide on chain so I played chain through the road to national season last year. So mm-hmm. I came eighth in road to nationals, Nelson. I bubbled in two other road to nationals and chain. Like it's a room blade. I love room blades because it merges the CC deck. I used to play Binkatsu and my blitz deck, which is Kano. Yeah. <laughs> and it is. He's basically Katsu Kano. And then of course seeds got banned, which kind of just made the deck a lot worse. So I switched over to Prism, which I had a huge amount of success with in the uh, June-July calling, mm-hmm. where I ended up going 11-1 in Swiss there. Oh, yeah. And I, I really like Prism, so I switched to that at about the same time Nick Holding did, and the two of us were practicing a lot on Prism. In fact, we had a Nationals testing event both on Prism, which he knocked me out of the top cut in a mirror oh. on. <laughs> and... I liked it, I liked it, I liked it. And then this errata announcement came out saying, oh, this Briar Hero is a little bit good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> just a little. <laughs> just just a little. I mean, when you see the results of New Zealand Nationals, you're like, ah, she's mm. not actually that good. Mm. But it was explained that, well, newer players have a huge problem with aggro. Mm. And so I'm looking at this being like, oh, yeah, well, this deck, you know, it fucks Prism. It's a really, really hard matchup. Mm. I, against a bad Briar, you can just slap down a Parable of Humility and it goes a bit better, but still not not good. Mm-hmm. And at a national level event, every player that is undecided that sees an errata notification that Nationals is exempted from will go to the deck that's been getting the errata. Fair enough. Because it's clearly the strongest deck there is if mm. it's getting. So it's like, okay absolutely can't play prism into this it's just far too likely i'm going to get around one briar and just be out right so i looked back at viscerai but i don't like playing control that much i'm an aggro player at heart Mm. so i built a really janky aggro viscerai like running things that nobody else would run like blood (laughs) spillification oh yeah because when you crack spellbound creepers into a blood spillification you get your four rune chance on hit and then you hit them with a rune flash and then you just run away with the game. It's amazing. Mm. And the deck worked really, really well. It had about a 50-50 interchain. It crushed Prism. It crushed most Briar, and I was feeling pretty confident about it up until Wednesday. So mm. the uh, four days before the event begins, where one of my mates from Northland came down, Sean Stanley, on a way more optimized Channel Mount Heroic Briar, and he smoked me. Hmm. Four days and before I was like, that. Okay, Four days before the event, I've suddenly been like, okay, this deck that I've been practicing for the last two weeks actually loses to a matchup I thought it was favored in. Mm. I just, no one in Wellington had a Channel Mount Heroic variant Briar that was as good as his. Mm. And so I went back to chain. Yeah. And decided, <laughs> screw it. If I can't get there by playing a real Rune Blade, I'm just going to high roll and get lucky and we'll see what happens. Perfect. 
And I got lucky and I rolled people. That's that's chain in a nutshell. So in a nutshell, yeah. yeah. Uh, second thing, moving on here, did you kind of set any any goals for yourselves, and what were they? Just based on like what you were trying to accomplish in that. So of course, we kind of rolled into chain a little bit pseudo randomly here after kind of trying the other options here. But did you have any yep. goals for yourself going into it with chain? I wanted to make top twenty four. Okay. When I went to my first nationals <laughs> two years ago, now I went one three drop. <laughs> I won two of the side events, but still main event one three drop. Mm -hmm. And the one thing I wanted to do was improve on that. So I wanted to make the top twenty-four. Okay. And I'm extremely comfortable with draft. I think I'm one of New Zealand's best drafters. So I knew I'd probably go four two at worst, five one likely in the draft. So I just wanted a CC deck that I would go three three on. Yeah. I think I think that's a, that's a super reasonable goal to just like cash out at the very least at top twenty four and then try to like know know what your strengths are. Like you're you're, you're pretty much exactly like Yuki, our Canadian national champ. She's she's six zero draft. I think three three or four two. Like all, all you needed to do is like you know you're very good at one thing, so you don't really need to worry too much about it and just get something that at least gets you that other part of the way. So I I totally understand where you're, where you're coming from here. So. As far as classic constructed and draft, how did you approach kind of the testing? I think you mentioned a little bit about the CC part, but even for draft, how did you approach testing for those both those uh, formats? I have done an unreasonable number of drafts with friends. Um, we cracked cases of Aria and just did draft after draft out of the boxes. Mm -hmm. And then we sat down, myself and a mate, Jonathan Miller. We put every card in the set down and we made a tier list. What am I drafting when? What, what am I drafting if I want to remain open? What is forcing this particular hero? And basically, after that point, every time I opened a pack, I knew exactly what I wanted. It was mm. very, very, very quick, very easy. And they let me build up the experience in drafting where I could just look at a pack. And instead of having to spend a bunch of time thinking what the pick is, the pick's quick, and then I can spend the rest of the pack memorizing it so I know what everyone else is on when it cycles back to me. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I think... I think that's a like a very good use of time just based on like oh it takes a really long time to read signals and to give signals right yeah. if that's if that's what takes the most time and it's really hard to reduce the time because everyone's going to give off different signals depending on what pod you are and who you're playing with you might as well improve on the one thing you do know which is the set just know the set inside yeah. and out know the tiers as right. you said so i think that's very like that sounds very logical and something that <laughs> i mean <laughs> I would have liked the time. I think we. I think the issue is that we didn't get like we didn't have Tales Unlimited when our nets. We like we only have first edition, mm, so we had to right. grab. It was a very limited amount of product yeah. that we could use for our drafts. That's right. Yeah. So that that was one thing, but I think even then, I think that's like a super great idea that people should mm. try to do if they really, really want to get good at draft is to to take a very similar approach if they can. Um, as far as kind of. I think you already kind of alluded on it, your overall strategy going into CC and draft. You were kind of thinking about 5-1-ish, you know, 5-1 in draft, and then knowing you yeah. likely like need, a, I think, 9-3 uh, for to, like, clinch, like, top 8. You need, I think, I think 9-3 was to kind of clinch yeah. it. So you would have needed to go 3-3 uh, uh, three, three and... Yeah, 3-3, three and three essentially, pretty much. Yeah. I guess if it was a 6-0, it would be a 3-3, three, three, right? Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So was there kind of like a, oh, I'll get 5-1, I just need to get 3-3? Three, three. Was there anything else strategically that you were considering when you were going into the NAS? Not really. So I was 
basically I'm comfortable with enough with the draft. I just need to win three CC games, preferably the first three. Yeah. And then the first three went really well. And I suddenly been like, okay, actually, with how I draft, maybe better than top 24s on the cards right. here. <laughs> and that ended up being quite stressful. So I went 3-3 in the first <laughs> CC. Sorry, 3-0. Yeah. I went 2-1 in the first draft. There's a stream game of me against Kale McCree. That's a hilarious stream game because I had a 0% chance of winning it. He knew it. <laughs> I knew it. Stream certainly did not. <laughs> Oh, we, oh we, we, we're going to bring that up later. Don't worry about that. Yeah, cool. Um, <laughs> the CC games afterwards, I lost to Matt Rogers on the aggro hold him. I lost to Nick on Prism because I made a huge mistake mm. and I beat a Bravo. Mm-hmm. So I got eighth seed coming in for the second day, yeah. which put me in the hell seat of having to 3-0 a draft from the eighth seed in the top pod. Hmm. And I did it. Yeah, but it was certainly <laughs> stressful. But you were you were yeah. making that lemonade with the lemons. You were you were doing what you had to do there. I mean, it's, yeah, it's funny how the success made your expectations a little bit higher at that point, and then the stress kind of came in after that. Yeah. It's like maybe I can go for first. Maybe I can win the whole thing. Oh, I mean, no. I I was pretty sure I'd never win. I I, mm. I don't think I could beat Matt Rogers' dick. Mm. I think beating Kale McCreath on Bravo and CC is very hard with my deck without seats. I, mm-hmm. I can give it a good shot for sure, but I, I'm right. not winning that without luck. Yeah. But if I saw Tito in the top eight, I was probably going to run over him. <laughs> if I didn't fair fuck enough. up again. No, fair <laughs> enough. Uh, I mean, you already kind of alluded to it. Going through a first first couple of matches, I know your first three games, it was uh, Briar, 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 Old Him Briar, something along yep. those lines. And that was kind of as planned based on your sideboard. You had the strats, you had the matchups, you were already favored yep. into it for the Briar. So that kind of, that's kind of everyone understands how that works, right? So I want to go into yep. like your 5-0, as you alluded to, you see Kale, he's looking at you, <laughs> you're looking at him. You already know your yep. decks. Uh, was there, there was there any chance you're taking that Lexi into a win? Or, okay, nope. his, his nope. pool, <laughs> he posted a picture of his pool on Discord. And yeah, on, so, I think on the Guardian chat, and it looked nuts. So oh, the, yeah, his pool was great, and I understood from the very beginning that the only way I was winning that game is if he didn't have a defense reaction turn one. Mm-hmm. He had a defense reaction turn one. <laughs> right. The my deck could have beaten him if I had certain other cards, which I didn't mm-hmm. have. But if I'd had say a lightning press, that I could have hit a few times, sinking it when necessary. Kale. He has probably the best memory of any fair play I'm aware of. Mm-hmm. He knows your deck order. He knows his deck order. And you see in the draft game against me is that he takes a big turn from me, drops down to three life, because he knows that my follow-up turn will suck, and he knows for sure that his follow-up turn is going to be awesome because wow. he's Glacial Footsteps. He's Mulch for eight. He's an Entwine Earth for eight or something. Just repeated banging turns. If I'd been able to sink a Lightning Press... He wouldn't have expected it because he would have known all of the cards around it. And that big lightning turn where I got the Frazzle, Mark of Lightning, Electrify, mm-hmm. double dipping yep. could have killed him there if I had that card, which I didn't. Yeah, mm. no, fair, fair enough. No, that makes sense. But that was... Yeah. The thing about Ice Lexi is that she's a great control deck. You can throw out these massive lightning-based turns to swing tempo, but it's a really consistent deck you know exactly how much damage it's doing at any given point. And when you've got defense reactions and rejuvenate, you can stop that damage. And then she mm-hmm. digs out. 
Fair enough. Awesome. All right. Yeah. So I'll take the mic from Eric for a little bit. So jumping now into round eight, the round against Nicholas. So uh, you mentioned in the document that you forgot to add an eclipse in this matchup. (laughs) So I was wondering, um, because there was one turn where you hit that unfortunate banish with chain. Do you think that the eclipse in this situation might have made a difference? Or do you think it was kind of a lost cause at that point? Maybe you can explain a bit. Yeah. So to explain that for anyone who hasn't read my little write-up, I played a belittle and shuffled my deck like an absolute moron about turn 5, turn 6. Turn five. It had to have been turn 5. Because turn 6, I banished a plunder on red, a second plunder on red, two red flocks, an e-strike, and a conk. <laughs> and... I mean, it's hilarious when this happens to chain players because we were relying on RNG a lot of the time and sometimes okay. it slaps us. But Tidu recognized at that point that I'd just lost a huge portion of the remaining damage in my deck. And when we realized that there was no Eclipse because I'd cycled through my deck a uh, turn or so later, he realized that he could actually just block me out. And so he switched to blocking me out instead of trying to go for damage. So... I didn't necessarily need to have been able to resolve Eclipse at any time, but the threat of it forces him to change his strategy. Right. It forces him to play proactively rather than reactively. And Chain can always take out Prism when she's spending cards. Mm -hmm. But when she's only blocking, it's actually it's really hard. Right. So And I assume he he found out you were also missing Eclipse. He knew yep. from, <laughs> yep. you found it in your deck box on the side, and I guess maybe yep. you showed it to him. <laughs> okay. Oh yeah, because like, we're mates, so I was just like, oh no, yeah, don't yeah. look at what's not <laughs> in my deck right now. Oh um, no. So he decked me out when he was on three life. So if mm-hmm. I'd had any of those plunder runs or the flocks, that would have been enough damage. That was otherwise close game, actually, very close. Yeah. I, considering that I wasn't running Eclipse, I had some unbelievably bad vanishes. <laughs> And he got a turn one library. And the game was incredibly close. Icing on top of the cake. <laughs> yep. Oh but my yeah, goodness. That was, that was my... Okay. I think that was the sole play mistake I made in the tournament was mm. that belittle shuffling my deck. I didn't need to. It was only three damage to get that Minowism mm. out. I didn't need to do it. <laughs> I did. So, but you, you couldn't have known at that point of shuffling. Shuffling could have given you better RNG, maybe. <laughs> oh, I had my pitch stack going. I knew oh, okay. That's right. that That's later right. turns were going to be good. Right. So going for that and running the risk of the shuffle going badly, mm. you agreed. And gotcha. as a mistake, at a nationals level event, I should not be making. Mm. I did. Fair enough. It happens sometimes, yeah. I like what you said about just the Eclipse having that threat, that presence of knowing that you cannot switch your strategy against me knowing there's an Eclipse in my deck, right? But knowing that it's gone at that point um, just shifted the tides completely. So uh, that's a very good point, yeah. So going from now round eight to round nine, where you faced off against Matt Rogers, um, I, I don't know. Do you, did you know if he had an aggro deck, more of an aggro no. old him deck going in? No. So that was no. a surprise running into it. Um, I was wondering, had you known if that it was going to be an aggro deck, would that have changed your sideboard strategy? Oh, absolutely. Mm. So I was running time snap potions against him. I was running energy potions. I had three invert existence in there. Mm. Not because I was ever going to actually get a damage off on them, but because they're a blood deck card, so I can use them to summon Ursa at some point. The matchup gets pretty bad for Ultim if I get Ursa out for multiple turns. So I was running, what, 
six non-blockers, eight, seven non-blockers that I wouldn't mm. have otherwise been running. And due to some uh, extremely annoyingly timed ice reactions on his behalf early, I got stuck with some of those non-blockers for like four turns. I I, remember I had a turn where I was looking at it and saying, I've got four non-blocks in hand. I've got Art of War, Invert Existence, Energy Potion, Time Snap Potion. This is awful. Wow. <laughs> I, I don't think I've heard of a worse hand, honestly. Most... Oh, wait until you hit over the hand that came later in that game. <laughs> <laughs> when I drew three Morvrian skies and a shadow puppetry with a shadow puppetry and arsenal. Beautiful. And then, of course, banished, banished nothing. <laughs> Not even an attack action to go Not along with all your Morvrian skies. I, oh the game was bad from the very beginning. I went for a really cheeky art of war to push damage before he got an arsenal. Um, started resolving it too quickly, and he wanted to blizzard in response. So I got judge called at the very beginning of the round, which always puts you on edge. Yeah. And then drew three instead of two because my hands were sweaty, so I got judge called again. Oh my goodness. And the resolution of those uh, got rid of all my non-attacks that I was going to be drawing and gave me an invert in the potion that I was stuck with. And of course Matt knew this because he got to see them. And Mm -hmm. so he kept on ice reacting the bloody things. (laughs) (laughs) Leaving them on top of my deck. So Mm. it went badly to begin with almost entirely based on my sideboarding decisions. And then he put a lot of pressure out that I just couldn't block because I had all these bloody non-blockers. Uh, oh my goodness. How did the judge call work when you drew the third card there? Uh, did they put a random card from your hand back on top? Is that how it worked? Um, or was the, so yeah, what's the I, mechanics was, of this judge ruling? Yeah. Card, uh, cards in hand and cards that would be drawn revealed. Opponent gets to pick where they go. Oh, opponent picks, okay. Yeah, and so all of my lovely cards that I would quite like to have been drawing went to the bottom of deck. Gotcha. Now, of course, afterwards we realized that we actually screwed up the judge call as well, just to make everything that much worse, because I'd banished a card to draw two to that Art of War, Uh but when we're rewinding to the beginning of Art of War Resolving, that card's not banished yet. Right. (laughs) Wow. Gotcha. Uh, so yeah, it was it was a clusterfuck, but that yeah. happens occasionally. Yeah, like you get a little bit nervous playing against someone who's really, really good at the game that you're not used to playing against. Yeah, and and hopefully he didn't take it in a in a bad way. Like hopefully he knew that accidents happen. And yeah, you know. no, Matt, yeah. Matt's a good guy. Like, yeah, yeah. He's he's looking at me like, oh, Karen, you're playing like a moron. The judge oh, knows okay. me. He's going, oh, Karen, you're playing like a moron. <laughs> you're playing like a moron. <laughs> But, you know. Oh man, yeah. It happens. Yeah, it does. Awesome. So now we're gonna go into the top twenty-four uh of the next day. So um looking at the, the draft portion of top twenty-four, uh you had mentioned that you forced Briar into your yep. pod. I was wondering, uh what was your, your reasoning for forcing Briar? You seem to have some knowledge of the other players at that point, so yep. you're able to make some calls there. Yeah. So the good thing about been in the high level tables is that people you can rely on to actually draft properly. No one's just YOLO drafting rares. I love, and... I love that. Yeah, that's a very good point. It's actually, like, we saw this in the calling in June, where the, the people who didn't have a chance of making top 8 just rear drafted. Because they already had their prize money. They weren't going to get more prize money by winning mm. more games, so might as well take good cards. But in this, of course, we're all... There's only two people in that pod who are safe. And they, of course, want to have the higher seeds. You know, it's very important for Prism to 
get the choice when she goes first or second in various matchups. Likewise, any room blades. And so you sit down, I look at the table, and I'm getting passed to by a player I know for a fact is going to force Guardian. Tito. Uh, next to him is a player who is a bit flexible. And then another Guardian Forcer. Then Kale. And another Guardian Forcer. <laughs> and so you look at the, and you know for a fact, we're going to have these three Oldhams. Kale's stuck between two Oldhams. He's an amazing drafter. He knows he's stuck between two Oldhams. He's mm-hmm. going left. He doesn't go Briar for as much as far as I'm aware. To my left, I've got a Runeblade Forcer and two flexible players. So I'm the best placed person on this table to go Briar. It's the deck I'm the best with. I play lots of Runeblades. And so I'm like, okay, I'm going to force Briar. It's the best deck. I'm in the best position on the table to do it. And it worked. And yes, all three people I thought were going to be Oldhams end up at an Oldham. Yeah, <laughs> and people ended up on Lexi with an actually amazing deck. So it was a good read. Yeah, from my experience drafting, I always kind of assume that people are going to take Briar whenever they can because she's just an amazing draft hero, you know, um, in Tales of Aria. So uh, I'd always be afraid of it. <laughs> I'd always be afraid of taking yep. Briar. It's yeah. been my experience that the higher the quality of the draft in New Zealand, the more Oldhams you get. Mm. So the top eight of a skirmish I was in. Had five Ultims, uh, three Briar, one Lexi. Mm. But starting that day, there was a five Briar pod. Yeah. <laughs> mm. Oh, man. And awesome. I, yeah. I could have taken Ultim, I could have taken Lexi if the cards are going for it. But those would be two one decks. I didn't think I could go for the three O's. So I was like, I have to take the gamble here. There is no difference between one loss and three losses for me. It must be three wins. So I have mm. to go for the thing that gives me three wins and only three wins. Mm. All or nothing. Not fair enough. That's yeah. great. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Awesome. So I guess jumping into the final game of the Nationals here, into the quarterfinals, uh, where you were faced against Rowan. So yep. Um, yep. I was wondering, going into this matchup, I believe you were against Viscera here. Yep. Um, how did you see this matchup going from as a chain from the chain perspective? Were there any lines or strategies that you... Uh, or I should say win conditions that you can employ against Viserai specifically, or was it more of a go at kind of feel as you go? Rohan's one of, if not New Zealand's best Runeblade player. Mm. And I knew that he was not going to try to ODK me. I knew he wasn't bad enough to think that that would work. (laughs) So he was going to come at me with every aggro card he possibly could, and I was going to respond, and whichever one of us went harder, faster won. We're both very aware of this from the very beginning. So he cracks his Skeletor reasonably quickly because he needs damage, he needs rune chance. I'm using my armor relatively quickly. Like We're just slapping each other in the face as fast as uh, we possibly I wanted, can. I wanted to see this game on stream. I was very yeah. sad when I didn't get to see this one on stream, but I can imagine it. I can, just two people just punching so, each other. <laughs> the tech I have for triple rune blades, is, sorry, running into rune blades, is triple invert existence. Mm-hmm. Because I can shoot his targets for rattle bones, and that just destroys his turns. And then at any point in the game, I just have six arcane damage. Mm. Right. So I knew that his lethal range was, if he ever got to six life, I killed him. Mm. Right. And he actually had to kill me to kill me. That That's fair. And at the very end there, I know your final decision, you have the two inverts. You're staring down two inverts here with one yep. life. Walk me right. through that one a little bit. Right. So 
So he comes in with it's actually a really solid turn, mate. There's seven or eight rune chants, multiple attacks, follows up with the sword, and I'm forced to block with two cards. Going to one life. Right. I've got two inverts out, so I know I've got four arcane damage. He's on six life. The point of going to one specifically here is that no matter what he does, he can't use Skullcap. He's got no other source of arcane barrier. So as long as I can fire off these two inverts, I just need to do two damage to him to win. Right. I've got a hand where I can keep a blue, which I have to keep, of course, blues, and either a red bounding demigon or a yellow captain's call. Basically, do I which of these two cards do I block with? Mm -hmm. And it's a 50-50 here, basically. So I know the position in deck of every bounding demigon except one blue just from how the game is rolled out right i know the position of all my unhallowed rights i know i'm not in danger of hitting any of those which are the dangerous cards because i can't play them from blood debt without having played a non-attack mm -hmm. i know that all three of my howls have been recurred three no two of the howls have been recurred don't know where the third one is probably soon right so i decide the best chance i've got of winning here is i block with the captain's call keep the demigon and my turn's going to be invert him twice to get him to two life. Demigod him for three, which takes one or two cards from him if he gets unlucky with Morverian Skies. I know he's going to be running a lot of those two blocks. Mm -hmm. And then sort him for two physical. That takes two or three cards out of him. There is no way he kills me with two cards in hand next turn. And then I kill him the following turn, guaranteed. And I banish the other Demigod. Which kills me to blood debt. I come in play. for three physical, <laughs> I come in for two physical, I come in for four arcane. And the real kick oh, is that if I kept that um The Captain's call, call. You could have played then I would have had two arcane on the sword and I would have won. Oh no. Yeah, because you just play it out, get the bounding, and then you're yep. Rosetta's online. Yep. And I think I should probably have paid more attention to exact ordering and maybe seen that there was a risk on this. But it's getting pretty tired at this point. No, and you're, you're already you're already into the coin it. and screwed it up basically. Yeah. But that's you know that's aggro mirror. Sometimes it comes down to a coin flip. I definitely yeah. had. I god turned him earlier. Got like twenty five damage through. Turned before I had no attacks. I. I was definitely seeing the highs and I was definitely seeing the lows with that deck. You got the full Which, chain experience in one game. Yeah. And I knew I was I knew I was going to be doing that through the event. Like I picked chain knowing that this randomness was going to occur, right. hoping that it would be in my favor. And it worked mm -hmm. well enough. But in the top eight, that's where it got me. Yeah. That's awesome. So uh doing a, a bit of post nationals reflection here on your deck. Um yeah. overall, how do you feel the choice to, to go chain um you know works to work in your favor or was it a good or bad decision, I guess, overall? I I think it worked out really well. So I had two Briars in my first three opponents. If I'd gone Prism, it was going to go really badly. If I'd had Viscerai, well, Agro Mirrors is going to be pretty random anyway. So I think choosing Chain worked out really, really well for me. I know some of my mates picked Chain and it really didn't work out for them. But mm -hmm. of course, that's what randomness does, right? That's just the randomness. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. I would have changed the deck actually with that experience with how it was playing i was i was running more non-attacks than i necessarily needed to well then i felt like i needed to and i think i went a little bit too far on them so i would have cycled some of those out 
tried to bring back in a third E strike, possibly would have gotten rid of the command and conquers. Because mm-hmm. they just don't do anything to Ultim at all. And they don't really do anything to Prism either because she just plays whatever's an arsenal anyway. Yeah. Mm. So it's been like cool, I played an aura. Right. Yeah. I was gonna play it anyway. Mm. Cool. Yeah. No, that's fair. Yeah. I think. So I can sorry, you go. Oh yeah, no, I, I was just gonna say that I think like it's not that like gem just ge- happens to give you two briars, because in the event there's there's a lot of briars. So yeah, there's, there were there's, a lot. So I think you know, I know if you go on Prism and I know Nicholas, I don't think he got any briars because I think he just kept yeah. winning that he never he just them all. he just didn't see. It. So like if uh, I just like Gem, it could have gone either way, right? You never know. Hmm. So I think based on that, based on how many briars there were, I think it's probably safe to say you get at least a briar. At least a channel yeah. mount yeah. somewhere in the third game. So somewhere in the first three games. And I feel like because they're so important for seeding and everything, you you, yeah. you just win out the first three and try your best to hit all those like X ones if you absolutely have to. It might be a briar, right? Yeah. So hey, we didn't we really did not think there were going to be many Briar that made top table. So if you dodged them in the first three games, you dodged them for the rest of the event. Fair. I was one of the ones who didn't dodge them, and I'm very, very lucky that I picked a deck that worked into them. Yeah. Awesome. Okay, well, switching gears now to Everfest. um, We're looking at some spoilers. I mean, we've had a crazy week uh, just lately. Oh, man. Just the Discord is just on fire. People saying good, bad, trash. Everyone just kind of forcing their opinions uh we were curious to know your opinions on some of the cards that came out specifically for kano or chain um are there any interesting cards that you think could kind of be meta shifting for these two heroes specifically so i think kano's seen two of the coolest cards so far well one of them's not a wizard card but it's only wizards going to be using it that much potion of deja vu is insane (laughs) yeah that card that card is going to do horrible things to blitz (laughs) Oh, 100%. I, I I said the same thing about an hour ago in the video. <laughs> we were, and I were just talking about Potion of Deja Vu, yeah. I, I'm, I am infamous in local armory for sitting down, drawing four cards, pitching seven cards, and then going, oh, look, 20 damage. Got anything? <laughs> no? Good game. So Potion of Deja Vu just, it really, really is going to address some of Kano's reasonably limited weaknesses, which is when you draw your reds. We now would do something like pitch a Tome of Aetherwind to Crucible, pitch two blues to Kano, hold resolution on both of them, crack the potion, put the, the Tome and your two blues on top. Oh, look, I drew my two blues again. <laughs> what, a coincidence. what a coincidence. What a coincidence. That combos with Gaze of the Ages, I think. Like, there's yeah. just so much potential for that card to go absolutely insane. Mm. And then the other wizard card, of course, is Scour. Oh, yeah. The, the 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 uh, aura the aura killer, the aura killer. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. The things right. you can target like that. So Chain is going to hate seeing the bloody thing because you're just going to shoot his soul shackles. <laughs> yeah. The broken auras. Oh, would you look at that? <laughs> Nine arcane damage, mate. You got anything? Oh my goodness. Yeah. Targeting seismic surge, quicken embodiments of earth or lightning. Um, these rune chants. Mm-hmm. someone's got a room blood barrier out and they're like oh yeah it's a two for one deal here yeah <laughs> everything you've got it's amazing so i'm i'm very right. much looking forward to scour mm, I think the fair. other one wildfire is it's a right. bit of a paradigm shift for wizard like 
you're looking at forked lightning in the deck and being like, ooh, I think wildfire actually is a functional replacement for this. Like, you need yeah. to build your deck differently. Chain lightning, snapbacks become a lot more powerful. Red zap off top of deck becomes a hell of a lot more powerful with that card out. Mm -hmm. And I'm really, really keen to see exactly what we can pull off with Wildfire because it is, mm -hmm. it's going to make some very weird OTK turns a lot easier to pull off mm -hmm. and no one's going to see them coming for the first yeah. little while. Yeah. It <laughs> would be a great time to, uh, yeah, to kind of show those combos out because we're all still in discovery phase, right? Still yep. discovering combos. So that's awesome. Um, so going into kind of the recent bannings that we've seen, um, you know, Chain lost his seeds initially, which was a big hit. Uh, I was wondering how you thought that um, if at all Plunder Run had affected the Chain list at all, is it a big hit? Is it something that Chain can live without? Wanted so, to hear your thoughts about Plunder Run, yeah. Plunder Run, like, I, I don't want Plunder Run to have been banned. I'm looking at my poor boy Katsu being like, well, Katsu right. is just so goddamn dead. Some as heroes just now. needed it, and they weren't even yeah, that good but... to begin with, yeah. Plunder on by itself is not too problematic in chain. Like you play it at the beginning of the turn, then you bounding demigod them, and you feel like you're doing efficient things. But it's not too busted. The problem with Plunder Run was spellbound creepers. Oh, you're not blocking. How about I draw a card and the next one goes in for three more, and I get an action point for one mm. pitch. That's insane. Nice. And that's how I won the first game at Nationals, actually, was my <laughs> opponent didn't block a flock, and then I just was like, okay, well, cool, here's a Plunder Run of Spellbound Creepers. Oh, look at that, I've got an action point, I've got a card, uh, here's four mm. more attacks. It's turn two. Right. Here's 15 damage. <laughs> Pass your blocks, I'm sorry, mate, what are you going to do? Yeah, that's, uh, so that's dirty. It's yeah. definitely an interaction that was probably a bit too powerful, but I don't think... It necessitated a plunder ban. Mm. I think that we very easily could have just seen plunder unrestricted to yeah. only running one color. Right. Yeah. And that would have been a little bit. It would have, maybe, it would have successfully nerfed Briar and Chain without hitting Bolton or Katsu. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I. Uh, but of course, LCS are probably a lot better at these decisions than I am. Yeah. They're, they're obviously. And I'll be sad about them. Seeds, though, like the seeds ban was warranted. Mm -hmm. Seeds could yeah. be a zero cost blood debt with go again as its only text, and the card would still be overpowered. It'd still be good. <laughs> it could be a one cost blood debt non attack with no card text. It would still be <laughs> a little bit good. Mm. That's fair. Just to I enable know. all the cards that need to have been need yeah. to be played before not non attack action, right? Yeah, all, all the all the fat yeah. riff all the fat riff binds and such. But no, yeah, I definitely too. I think the yeah. I definitely agree that I was I think before with the restrictions on plunder run would have been a different approach they could have taken maybe they felt it was like not i, I don't usually like ban like full bans for for the entire especially when there's multicolored. Yeah. but obviously right. they, yeah. they did what they did but that's it's totally it's totally fine as you said i definitely it's spellbound was yep. it's a oh. hell of a hell of an equipment and, still yeah. is a hell of an equipment yeah and on the topic of bans i think ball lightning I, I think has been pretty well shown in new zealand that if you get a large enough pool of really good players that we will just work out how to deal with Briar. Mm -hmm. I understand that international armories were seeing declining player numbers because Briar was oppressive and sort of that example of how to beat it wasn't there because New Zealand and Australian Nats were so heavily delayed. Right. And so the ball lightning ban, I, I can I can see the ball lightning ban, but also 
I suspect the ball lightning ban was a little bit because everyone was sick of the rules questions. Possibly. It was, yeah, it was difficult to understand every armory. <laughs> every game, you had a rules question, an interaction yeah. with ball lightning. And yeah. it's just a pain. How many times I have to tell you this? <laughs> yep. No, that's fair. Well, that that, that, all, that all makes sense. We're gonna we're gonna roll into the uh, deck deck quite shortly. So yep. for everyone who's been watching so far, stay tuned. We're gonna do a quick template shift when I snap my hands, and now by the power of editing, everyone will have seen the new template, and we're we're off mm -hmm. to the races. And now we're back with Kieran for the deck tech portion of the video here. So we have up on FabTV the New Zealand Nationals chain list here that made uh, fifth through eighth. We've just corrected everything. It's just 5th through 8th now. Uh, so we're going to roll through here. We do have a couple questions uh, for Kieran. That uh, So I'll, I'll be driving the FabTV stick, and Rob will be driving the interview stick here, and we'll let Kieran kind of walk through walk through his choices and any, any kind of spicy spicy pieces he wants to explain here. So take it, take it away, Rob. All right. So looking at the meta that you were in uh, for this Nationals, how did you approach building chain? And um, um, yeah, were there some kind of interesting sideboard choices that you had to make? Uh, yeah. So my equipment, my equipment's pretty standard, I think. Rosetta Thorn is a absolutely cracked weapon. You're never not running it in, the, in any matchup anymore. It's just so good. I mean, if we had Duskblade, we could run Duskblade, but they quite rightfully recognize that that card could not be allowed to exist. Um, so I've got Aether Ironweave in there just for when I really feel like I need to go extremely aggro and I'm not too scared of what they're going to be returning. I practically never use it. But if I sat down against a player who's really, really slow and controlly, like an old him who I know isn't going to be doing anything spicy, I'll bring an Aether Ironweave. Right. I knew there's going to be a lot of Viscerai. Like the Aucklanders, Rohan in particular, are very strong on Viscerai. It's a deck a lot of us have been talking about for two and a half years is eventually someone will be good enough on this deck and the meta will be good enough that this deck will just destroy a meta. So I brought Crown of Dichotomy when normally you just don't bother because you really like being able to use Skullcap to block. Mm -hmm. And everything else is standard. Carrion Husk, it just blocks everything. It blocks Command oh, and Conquer, yeah. it blocks Herald of Judgment, Erudition. You name it, Carrion Husk is the solution. That's fair. Yep. My reds, my reds are a little bit of a weird mix of things. So I really liked what I think uh, Arban's list from uh, Hong Kong uh, Hong Nationals. Kong? Yeah, from Hong Kong. Yeah. I really liked his list and based a lot of my reds off that. So I brought in sort of the spicy one of come to fight because it blocks. People see it, they go, "Oh, that's spicy." Do I have to worry about that for the rest of the game? And it's not sort of screwing up my pitch or my pitch too much. Right. Probably would get rid of it now for another E-Strike. I was only running two of them because I could only fit two of them. And considering two games, I got attack screwed. Yeah. Mm. Yep. As I mentioned, two Command and Conquers. They're really good for when you have to go second in a Runeblade Mirror because mm -hmm. it forces two cards off them or their Husk first if they're a chain. Right. But there's nothing into Ultim. So I probably actually would side one of these completely out for... Uh, not entirely sure. Maybe another Exude. Right. Just because it doesn't really fix the matchups it needs to. E-Strike, man, E-Strike's great. Mm -hmm. Exude Confidence. Exude Confidence is another card that really heavily benefits from Spellbound Creepers, because mm -hmm. you can get your go again on it without breaking the combat chain by yep. just getting one off Spellbound. 
So you can do really, really, really nasty combos with that and any of the non-attacks, especially the minoisms. Mm -hmm. And the rest of the reds are standard. Like you're never going to pre-bans to see a pile of reds that aren't three ghostly, three howl, three plunder, three rift bind, etc. Right. No, that's fair. So the so obviously on the fact you'd be nice big band list on the plunder run. So if you had to remake yep. the yeah. if you had to remake the list like just based on the fact that I need a replacement for plunder run, what would that replacement be at the moment? Ignore let's ignore Everfest. Let's yep. pretend ignoring Everfest. Yeah. 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 Um, <laughs> It's really, really hard to make a call right now. Like, mm -hmm. do you like uh, do you I, like Captain's Call? Run... I mean, it's good enough, but it's not. It doesn't do quite enough of the things I need it to do. Mm -hmm. What I would probably do is look at some of the jankier Roomblade cards, like Bloodspill Invocation. Yeah, I was going to mention which, that. <laughs> yeah. look, look, don't get me wrong, the card sucks. <laughs> for now, hard. for now. And there's an aura that does sweet fuck all. <laughs> when someone doesn't want to block, and you sit down and you go, look, here's a bunch of attacks that are coming that are really annoying to block, it's pretty good. And if I was doing that, I'd probably uh, shake some things around, maybe remove the exudes for meet and greets or consuming volitions, mm -hmm. turn yeah. it into a little bit more of a deck that gets its early game power through these really awkward blocks that you don't want to block, but fucking meet and greets got go again, and consuming just... It's a beautiful card against aggro decks. So oh, yeah. Briar mm -hmm. sees a consuming, especially post-errata, and goes, <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> it's it's super, super good in those situations. Mm-hmm. Fair enough. Uh, scrolling, scrolling down to my yellows. Um, Art of War is fairly standard. Yellow Captain's Call is really, really good. Mm -hmm. uh, it's a nice modal card that just does everything, really. Right. I brought the one Dunding Demigon just because I needed a little bit more. I wasn't happy with my Blood Debt and testing. I needed mm -hmm. a few more to get that consistency early. Right. Consistency. <laughs> it's a chain deck. Doesn't have consistency. Um, and the one yellow seeping shadows is when you're playing against a Bravo or an Ultim that you're expecting to try to take the game really late. Mm. When just say, I just need five action points in this turn. Seeping fair. shadows gives you one of them. No, fair enough. Makes sense, yellow wise. Yep. My blues are. My blues are actually probably the spiciest part of the deck. So I've got the standard things like the Flock of the Feather Walkers, the Bounding Demigons, the Maudrian Skies. Mm -hmm. um, energy Potion, I love Energy Potion in this deck. It gives you way more kill threat a lot earlier than most people are expecting. Mm -hmm. And I will actually crack Spellbound Creepers to play an Energy Potion early. Mm -hmm. Especially if I've already hit you with the sword, with the sword this turn. That's, that's <laughs> You'll never see it coming. That's interesting. No, I never, and I never I, actually thought to like chain that together. Usually, when you think of creepers, you think of like go again, keep going, go again, ability, yeah, that's keep right, going, yeah. keep going. And likewise, the time snap potions. I've got two of them in there. One main line. I always run it. One that I bring in only for the really, really slow matchups. Again, spellbound creep is that. I'm getting an action point later that off this card now. Mm -hmm. Really, really good into prism. Yeah. Right? This is your biggest answer to Arclight Sentinel. And mm -hmm. you need an answer to Arclight Sentinel, because if they Arclight your clips turn, you're kind of just wrecked. Yeah. That's because fair. if you attack it with an attack, the attack doesn't actually happen, so you can't activate Spellbound Creepers. Yep, you need to have attacked. It doesn't resolve. There's no right. attack. Yep. That's mm, the point, yeah. yeah. Three invert existence, like it's six arcane damage. The beautiful thing about it against Viscerai is you, as I mentioned earlier, you target his Rattlebones target. 
-hmm. Against chain, it completely changes the game. Yeah. Because normally the chain game is I go to one and then I kill you. And this, you can't go to three or I shoot you. So you can't mm -hmm. go to four or I shoot you for two arcane on this and then you take two blood debt from the cards I just managed. I've got I two love, of them. You can't go to eight. I love this in the mirror and you do, it on, them. do it on their turn. Yep. Just if I've got three of these and you end your turn and you're on 12 life, I can kill you. Yeah. It's mm -hmm. insane. It's beautiful. It, it totally changes the math for the chain mirror and it gives you basically a whole turn of your opponent sitting being like, oh god, everything mm. sucks now. <laughs> so it's really, really good for that. Um, the Gorg Tome, I, I probably in retrospect should not have run Gorg Tome because I have decided mm. out against the Briars. Yeah. And in fact, I kept on drawing it before my opponents drew theirs, and then they got draw two off it, and I only got draw one. I'm suddenly wow. feeling like a little bit of a fool. <laughs> so, given I was expecting a lot of Briars, and that they get more off Gorgtome than I do, even discounting that I got it first, I probably shouldn't have been running it. Mm, it's amazing in certain other matchups, but there are other amazing cards that I could have been running there instead. No, fair enough. This is a you know non attack. Your blood spill invocation definitely can uh, yeah. can take that spot over. Yeah. You'll bring it back into the meta and bring that card back. Single hand. And then I know a lot of chains don't like running blue unhallowed rights, but I think the card's amazing because it lets you play your health and beyonds really early, and then you get them all back. And mm. you do it again. You get them all back again, and you do it again. I'll do it again. So one of the things that a lot of chains try to do is they go for this one big kill turn. Yeah. Like, I'm going to hit you with 15 cards and summon Ursa and then I'm going to kill you. Yeah. You don't need to. You can have three or four pretty big turns through the game that shreds their armor, that catches them and gets rid of the arsenal, and then just recur the house again. And you do it again and again. And it's a lot more reliable and a lot more powerful than just waiting until the end of the game. Because if they yeah. play a channel like Frigid on your single big turn, you're really screwed. Mm. If you've had three big turns and they only channel like Frigid one of them, then they're losing. Not you. Fair enough. Well, that makes that makes sense. I like I like the one. I, I think I wouldn't like it if there were like two or three. I think that's a little bit too much. But I, I do agree that you know, Hal from Beyond is a is a hell of a card. Just just mm -hmm. to make any oh, small yeah. turn a big turn. Plus three is yep. nothing to scoff at. Comes out of nowhere. Sure. Doesn't even cost that much, oh. relatively speaking. I mean, it it doesn't cost you a card if you've banished it. Yeah. And if you're playing chain at a nationals level, you know when you're going to banish them or not when you put them back into deck. You're probably sitting there going, sorry, mate, I'm just going to count my deck. One, two, three, four, one. One, two, three, four, one, two. One, two, three, four, one, two, three. Every couple of turns, <laughs> double check. And <laughs> so whenever those go back in, you know you're going to banish them. They come out banished, and your opponent goes, oh, no, it's another turn of these. It's great. Amazing card. That makes sense. Awesome. Uh, yeah. So are there any matchups that you'd consider running more than 60 cards in? I'm not sure if you uh, if you ever run more than 60, or if there are some matchups where you would consider it. So I run 60 or 64 if I'm going first or second, because okay. that lines up my banishes and my pitches a little bit nicer. When I need to be really, really thin, which is playing against other chains. Channelmont mm -hmm. Heroic Briar, maybe Agrokatsu. It's not too many of those anymore, unfortunately. <laughs> The rest of the time, I'm running 72-card Runeblade Pie or minus one or two <laughs> cards that I don't like at any given time. Because a lot of decks, it's just 
if you sit down against an ultim and you don't know whether the yeah. this weird matt rogers aggro version <laughs> or the yeah. an incredibly dirtly slow version <laughs> it is more detrimental to be caught out with a too small deck than a too large deck yeah mm, more definitely. than unless you get caught by all these potions which i did but yeah <laughs> you know that happens sometimes that happens no, yeah. that makes sense. So it's so it's sixty, sixty-four, or like or everything, in, everything in the yep. everything in the kitchen sink, other the than a couple sink. knobs. Yeah, <laughs> yep. right. fair enough. Awesome. And if you know in advance if your opponent's going to be taking a more fatigue strategy against you, um, or you might even figure out like mid mid game that they're they're pivoting or they're they're not pivoting but they're changing their strategy to be more fatigued, right? Uh, yep. I guess kind of like Prism did at one point because you didn't have your Eclipse. Um, do you change your, your playstyle at all into those kind of matchups when you know they're trying to fatigue you? Yeah. Or is it the kind of well, same? Okay, yeah. Really in Flesh and Blood, there's two effects from you playing an attack, right? Either you're damaging them or you're damaging their hand. And if you're going for life damage, there is only one point of damage that actually matters, and that's the first point of damage after they stop being able to stop them. Every point up until them is just trading your cards for their cards and nothing happens. Except you're running out of deck faster than they are and they'll fatigue you. Mm -hmm. So if I'm playing against someone I know is going to fatigue me, I don't want to be playing these incidental cards that damage their next turn, that just sap cards from them. Because trading a card for mine for a card of theirs just isn't worth it. So I'm banking up for much bigger turns. I'm aiming to pull off interactions that catch them out a lot more, such as the cheeky art war after the first attack has been declared. Mm. Things like that. Right. If I'm going for just pure aggro, then, well, every card off them is a card off them that's happy by me because eventually my hands are going to get so big that I can just run over them anyway. Aggro decks tend to not, or people who aren't fatiguing because they don't feel comfortable fatiguing, tend to have cards in their deck that interrupt the fatigue strategy. Two blockers, no blockers. Their own right. blood debt. So I suppose the two most extreme examples of this is a fatigue ultim. You've got to have a turn big enough to go through Crown of Seeds, Defense Reactions, the Ultim Reaction. You've got to have something in place to stop the Ice Defense Reaction, uh, Biting Gale, or Ice on his effect from actually really interrupting you. And you've got to be able to do this when there isn't a channel like Rigid out. <laughs> so you're setting up, as I mentioned previously, two or three big turns where the first five cards of the turn are just getting rid of his hand, and then the final three cards in the turn are actually doing... 5 to 10 damage. Against, say, Briar. Chain is favoured into Briar, I think, because you don't stop hitting them with massive hands. They never get a chance to sort of re-establish their pile of embodiments of Earth. Whereas Viscerai sort of goes big turn, small turn, big turn, small turn, so every second turn they're getting their embodiments back. So against a Briar, I'm going to be going in, and I just don't want them to ever have a card in hand. Mm -hmm. So I'll be firing off these demigons for four and riftbinds for five instead of for eleven. Mm -hmm. I'll be unhallowed rightsing with no targets there just because they don't want to take four damage because they know my next turn's going to be just as big and their turn's already a little bit rubbish. Mm -hmm. And just keeping that pressure on them the entire time. Right. Well, that makes sense. There is, however, a Briar strategy that that would work really poorly against, which uh, we see in Tom Penny's list, the Bri only Briar to make the top eight. Yeah. Where his game plan is to play it really slow, then he still tomorrow's all of his Channel Mount Heroics back. <laughs> yeah. Which is an awesome strategy. I love it. <laughs> and I'm extremely glad I didn't have to face it. <laughs> that would have been painful. 
I mean, it would have come down to, did I put enough pressure out that his souls were a problem? Because again, lots of two blockers in a Briar deck. Right. If he's not getting embodiments of Earth. Right. Yep. Right. Makes sense. Awesome. Well, that's all the questions I had. Yep. So, so I have yeah. I have one I have just one ender here. So I'm looking at this list and mm -hmm. I'm just trying to put together I know what I'm gonna bring Everfest a little bit just because we've we gotta talk about Everfest a little bit. Yep. Every yeah, it's right. it's Everfest. It. Where's Everfest, <laughs> right? So well, so I, I, I know there weren't any Shadow Rune Blade cards specifically. I don't yeah. think there will be any kinds of those cards like Light Warrior, Shadow Rune Blade. I don't think those are yeah. gonna be in Everfest. However, there were a fair amount of Rune Blade cards, a lot of spicy ones too. Um, yeah. Is there anything you saw that you've liked? Maybe not. It could be in this particular build that you would exchange, kind of fit in piece, or maybe build around a, a different kind of chain. Is there anything that kind of caught, caught your fancy? I'm just looking at the list of spoilers now to try yeah, to remember enough. them. Yeah, yeah. I think Swimming Bloomvale has a lot of potential in a chain list. Mm -hmm. like it's got this beautiful pile of modal effects. It's a zero-cost red that blocks for three, so we like the card in general. And it has this beautiful line at the bottom of it, which says, when this hits a hero, they can't prevent arcane damage from sources you control this turn. Mm. Now, I've already like, I've talked a lot about these Invert Existences that I'm running. So I'm looking at that card being like, this is a must block. Like, if I have an invert out, they cannot let this zero for three hit. But it's zero yes. for four if I've, if I can't remember the condition. Because two, two or more beyond it. He has two auras for yep. go again, and it's four. Right. So if I played a how from beyond, mm -hmm. it's coming in for seven. Ooh, that's that's starting to get spicy. That's mm -hmm. difficult to block. And then it leans really well into a strategy where you're like, here is a really annoying must block. Oh, look, your turn sucks and I'm setting up. And so I'm going to be looking at a chain build that is a little bit more setup focused and goes for a little bit more of an OTK using these big threats to sort of set people. And then cards like the other Runeblade, uh, the happy fellow that makes lots of room chance. Oh, I, I've got him. I've got him up right now. Revel and Revel and Runeblood. Revel and Runeblood. Yeah. Like Revel and Runeblood looks absolutely amazing for Viserai, <laughs> but I'm looking at them for Chain. I mean, like, a lot of people don't run one Null Rune against Chain, mm -hmm. and this card will punish that horrendously. <sighs> yeah, four four. Oh, is nice. it good? I mean, I don't think it's necessarily good. It'll be fun mm -hmm. to try. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. The Cards I'd actually be really looking at for inclusion that aren't Rune Blade, uh, aren't Rune Blade cards mm -hmm. are the potions. Oh yeah, what kind of potion uh, are you looking at? Um, yeah, up here. Trying to remember what the names of all of these are. Yeah, <laughs> I can never remember. Yeah. So, of assertiveness is an interesting one. The when this hits, banish the top card of your deck. If it's an attack mm. action card, you may play it this turn. Mm. Activate only if you have four or more cards in hand. Normally sounds like a difficult thing to do, mm -hmm. unless I'm playing from banish. Unless you're chain, <laughs> that's right. And that again yeah. sort of leads into this really odd strategy of just going, look, I'm just going to sap you constantly because this turns the first attack of every turn into a must block, right? Because mm -hmm. otherwise it might just get a bigger turn, right? Yeah. Um, that that totally and, makes I sense. mean, it's it's probably a meme. That one's probably a meme. It'll be fun to try regardless, I think. <laughs> I'd love to see this piece. 
100% running is Talisman of, Cre of Cremation. Mm. Oh yeah, that's the... Uh, I can bring that up now. Yep. So when you play a card the... from your banished zone, yeah. destroy it and name a card banish all cards with a chosen name from each opposing hero's graveyard. Ah, uh, yes. Because this hits... Again, it does the invert thing of hitting targets my opponents are attempting to bring back. Right. But most importantly is it lets me do things like banish all of Akatsu's Whelming Gust Waves. Yeah. <laughs> must, be, must be nice. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, Katsu can kind of do the same thing. In the mirror, though... This card can kill people from like being <laughs> in the mirror where they end their turn and then you invert them and banish all their bounding demigods and they take 10. Like, That's amazing. It just seems too funny not it's to. Funny, and, because it's, yeah. and because it's got go again, you can actually just flash it in off Spellbound Creepers. Yeah, right. I, I, uh, yeah. I, I totally like thinking about like well who's the easiest who can actually run this it's like oh well it's chain obviously it's got to be chain you can yep. run it off creepers you can run it off anything because you banish super easily right other than like yep. you know kano katsu they banish but any shadow right. banishes but like chain really likes this card quite a bit so i, I definitely see the merit here yeah mm. potion of deja vu is an interesting one i've mm. for, for chain it's it's amazing in kano but for yeah. chain there is some potential for some quite interesting tricks here. Mm. Like destroying it at the end of their turn, so I banish something that would otherwise be in hand, like a Rift Bind. Mm -hmm. Is it yeah, better because... smoothing? Is it worth running the card? Probably right. not. Right. Yeah. But it's allow... the sort of thing that I'd like to look at and try to work out whether it actually has a place. I think probably I, doesn't I definitely uh, yeah prop it doesn't look as strong as cremation just off the top like just by looking at it but like being able to fix your top just by pitching things like with blood death like the ones that are you know refined as yep. you said that are way more powerful coming out of banish it definitely it doesn't do as much of the uh you know in kano it fixes your all red hands it's very very clear but in chain it's really kind of like i need to fix my banishes before my uh Yep. before my uh, like uh, in response you could do well i guess on your turn you just fix it and you end your turn count it up and be like all right well i'm gonna be banishing this card regardless oh. right so yeah so dangerous that. that you can't do it in your turn because then you draw the cards again it's got to be done in their turn mm. which makes it a bit right, right, right. That, that's true of course invert to... gives you that instant to fix one card it's it's awkward there's definitely mm. things you can do with yeah. Shadow Puppetry triggers or Plunder Run if it still was in the game. Yeah. Um, I think there's a couple of the new cards that seem pretty cool for top of deck interactions that would definitely be worth looking at. Mm -hmm. But again, like with the, with the exception of the ProQuest, we don't have any major events coming up, so I'm looking forward mm -hmm. to testing a couple of these out in sort of fun fuck round yeah. and find out decks. Fair yeah. enough. No, that was, that was great. Uh, I appreciate your time quite a bit here. I know. Yeah, it was awesome talking to you. Yeah. I I haven't seen a lot of I mean I think I've seen like three different videos of Hayden and him talking about Australian Nats but as far as like the New Zealand Nats I don't think I've seen a lot of uh, coverage from from the to any of the top eight. Maybe players. it just I doesn't mean, get to us. Maybe it's so I mean, somewhere maybe, that we so haven't I, seen I'm it. Not, yeah, I think it's so. I know um, Nick's had an interview with Session uh, Blood that'll be coming out soonish, mm, but that makes sense. Yeah, Session yeah, yeah, Blood. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's fair. Relatively less. Yeah. Mm -hmm. No, it's it's true, and I feel like this is a it's a great opportunity to, you know, pick your brain about this this deck. You cleared it quite well on it. You had a strategy. Mm -hmm. You came in at one thirty in the morning, finalized it, and, and took it as <laughs> took it as far as R and Jesus could take you, pretty much. And uh, it worked out 
quite well. You know, congratulations on your accomplishments. Definitely. Well, oh, thank just you. just a, just a small notch up for top twenty four. Just you know, just just a small little small just, little step up there. Just a tad, yep. Just a tad. So uh, appreciate all your time, and for all all our viewers here, if you enjoyed the content, uh, if you have any other questions, maybe maybe Kieran will take a look at the comments, and he'll he'll grace you with his answer here if if you're if you're lucky enough to have a a question. <laughs> so feel free to like, comment, subscribe. Uh, this video will be on Spotify. I want to make this as widely available as possible for anyone who wants to listen on the car ride. Hear Kieran's thoughts about Everfest, Chain, Kano, and and what else? You know, me and me and Rob are here on the side just for a little color commentary, of course. And uh, with that, Kieran, appreciate your time, Rob. I, you know, I always appreciate your time, right? Busy guy. Sure, thank you. And thank so, you. with that, <laughs> wherever you are in the world, uh, good morning, good afternoon, and good evening. Bye for now. <laughs>